everybody! We wanted to start off this week's episode talking about a new electronics brand that Morgan and I are obsessed with, and they're called Studio. Studio makes headphones and earbuds that not only have outstanding sound quality, but they also design headphones as an accessory that you'll be excited to wear around. So true. Morgan and I both got the Black Regent design, which are Studio's premium on-ear model, and they're Sakyat. 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 The combination of high-polished metal and matte surfaces embodies the vision of Scandinavian design. They also come with custom-designed interchangeable caps, so you can change them up whenever you feel like it. Change it up for your mood. Regent are the perfect companion for anyone on the go. They will connect to any device that has Bluetooth or you can use an aux cord that they also provide and they also give you 24 plus hours of battery life. That's a lot of life. That's life. Now don't get us wrong. These headphones are handy, super chic, and contemporary, but they also deliver some of the best sound quality I've ever heard. They provide impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones, well-balanced sound, and definition. Studio also has a multitude of earbuds from hard pairs to those nice soft ones that are great for people like me with little tiny ear holes and they get <laughs> sore. <laughs> I get it. You can get a pair of your own Studio headphones today and if you use our offer code the sisters grim you can get 15% off your entire order. That's right. Use promo code the sisters grim that's T H E S I S T E R S G R I M M that's right two M's to get 15% off your very own pair of studio headphones or earbuds. Trust us, you won't be disappointed. The Sisters Grim podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen at your own discretion. Blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. The most notorious serial killer in the nation, the Light Stalker. The Boston Strangler. The Son of Sam, the infamous Zodiac Killer. What's your favorite scary movie? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> Welcome to the Sisters Grim Podcast, the only podcast that is hosted by me and Morgan. That's true. It is true. This is the only podcast hosted by the two of us. It would be weird if we had two and it was both of us. Like, True. if we had another podcast, like, what's the fucking point? We already have this one. What other topic would we want to talk about? I don't know. Fries. I don't know. <laughs> Fries. We've been listening to two... That's the second episode in a Too row that we've Melania mentioned... Jokes. We've mentioned Melanie. We've... I mean, whatever. We're giving him that shout out. We, we ate a lot of french fries today for lunch, so it's we so fresh on my so mind. so many french fries. So, this episode is about killer kids. And when I say killer kids... I, we mean, like, kids who have killed at least one other human being, not, like, killer kids, like, <laughs> super cool kids. Like, for yeah. example, I wrote the majority of my notes in a Lisa Frank notebook, so I'm a killer kid. You are. But, and um, you were sticking stickers on your phone right before we started recording this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah, I was, and yeah, you called me out to mom because we were talking on the phone. But <laughs> I love stickers. I don't care. I'm 30. I love stickers. Dude, eat, stickers are tight. Eat my dick. So I like that you like stickers because I always know it's a gift I can give you. 
It is. And you'll be excited it's, about it, and well, it'll cost me a dollar. Exactly. That's why I have so many, and I have weird ones. And it's like, why does Holly have stickers of boats? And I'm like, I don't know. They were three cents. Right. <laughs> Snorosaurus over I here think Tuesday. I, I think I'm a hoarder. Yeah. Um, update. Tuesday update. She's back and with, in the office. Her stitches are out, and she's looking cute. She's looking cute. She's feeling fly. She's having so, ear problems, but let's yeah. knock on wood and not... Actually, what knock on wood because that would be really loud. <laughs> so, shall I begin? Well, I um would like to talk maybe just a little of you know. I mean, there is. <laughs> I feel like the podcast is me always being like so like let's do. And this. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. and you're like, hang on, I've philosoph- like, philosoph- I don't know. Yeah, I'm just like actually, I have this to talk about. You dumb piece. That's that's the way I say it. I'm sorry. I'm lazy. But to be fair, I did mention that I had a preamble. Right. But it's cool. Anyway. You forgot. It's fine. This episode was really going to raise the question. Why? How does someone become a serial killer? That is like True. the $1 million question. Or that weird TV show that was like the $65,000 question, which like is not a lot of money. Like maybe in the 70s when it came out. Dude, I, I would know. go for that much money right now. I honestly would too. That's pretty good. So I read the beginning of a book. Because it was the part that explained the science of, like, nature versus nurture and psychologists' journey to find out what happens in a person's childhood that makes them grow up to be a serial killer. I read, it's called How to Make a Serial Killer. The first step is to preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. But the book does start out by saying every parent needs to read this book because it's a wake-up call and its findings could change the way we look at what makes a killer. Okay. I think actual step one should be don't sell your kid for a pitcher of goddamn beer because I swear to God that happens to like three different serial killers. I know. I'm pretty sure it happens to one on my list. On your list today? On my list today. Also, uh, Charles Manson, his mom sold him for a pitcher of beer and this other serial killer did too and I think one of the people on mine does as well. So how does someone wind up being a serial killer? Were they bred to kill? Were they trained to kill? Were they born to kill? Were they tramps like us, baby? We were born to run? (laughs) Sorry. Or is there a demon seed deep within some of us that decides our fate that from the moment of conception, we were programmed to be a serial killer? In regards to nature versus nurture, in my own personal opinion, I think that both play a part. What would you say? Like, what what, what do you think? Well, I think think it depends. I think... Certain things can have to do with certain things. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> there's people who are killers who had great parents. Exactly. But it was just kind of like they were born to have that happen to them. But then there's exactly. people who may have not ended up that way, but because their parents were so fucked up, yes, it happened. Exactly. Because they were pushed that far. Yes. That's kind of the way I think of it, too. I think, but I think that, like, some people have. But then there's also just, like, minute de- like details that can happen in your that life. That can make. Yes. You turn at any second. So it's well, almost like, how do we know? That's why I think that, like, part of their brain, when under the proper circumstances, can be triggered, which sets them off. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone without that little switch that, like, makes you become a killer or not would have a completely different experience mm-hmm. and not end up becoming a serial killer. But on that same token, I believe that what people refer to as, like, the serial checklist is mm-hmm. very consistent, as you were saying, with, like, having shitty parents. Yeah. I think... But then there's also things on the checklist that just have to do with people. Like, some kids are just bedwetters. Exactly. I mean, in the book, I, uh, How to Make a Serial Killer includes the FBI's high-risk register for defining characteristics of a serial killer, 
which is actually what they're coming up with in the TV show Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. Can't wait for that show to come back. Dude. 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 No spoiler alerts, not that I have any, but, well, actually I do have some if you haven't seen it and don't understand certain aspects of it, but it could potentially go on for a long, long time depending on if the show ever skips ahead in time. Because right now I think it takes place in the 80s. Well, yeah, and for the storyline that they were kind of going with the whole first season, we know when that ends, and it's not we for know at least when it 20 ends, years. And it's a long time. So, so we'll yeah. see how they age. Also, speaking of aging, <laughs> It Chapter 2 is going to be coming out in 2019. What does it have to do with aging? Do you think because the, the kids... kids are all going to grow up. Oh, they are. And who oh, are they going to be casted as? Oh, I see what you mean. I'm excited to see who they pick to be, like, little Finn. Oh. You know? Will the fat kid get hot? I hope. No, I told you it's going to be, like, Taylor Lautner or someone, like, it's going to be a Hemsworth brother or something. I hope so. I cast way too... Oh, wait, no, he's he would be age-appropriate for that. Um, yeah, the younger Hemsworth would yes. be Yes, so what I really, really liked about this book when I read the very first chapter <laughs> or only the first chapter is that it finally put something into words that I've always struggled with, which is feeling bad for serial killers when they've had horrible, disgusting, sadistic things happen to them during their childhoods. Mm-hmm. But the book, the book rather, puts it as we cannot blame serial killers for their personalities being abused and distorted by their parents or caregivers. Yeah. So we can blame them for killing other people and ruining people's lives. We can't blame them for what's happened to them. Yeah, we can't fault them for having shitty childhoods. So basically the crux of this book, and honestly what this episode is going to be about and what we will learn, is that there is not one route to becoming a serial killer. Correct. So Morgan has our first story. Sure. So I got a lot, actually most of my information, I mean not most, but a decent amount from the old E! special from, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago now. I remember watching Too Young to Kill, and then also that A&E documentary, at least for my first one. But anyways, so this was one of the, they did like Too Young to Kill countdown of like the most like fucked up like kids who have I remember watching that with you specifically. Yes. And so this was one of the... You were really young. If I was in high school... I've always been into that shit, dude. Same. That's why we have this podcast. (laughs) I remember uh, E did, like, a special about, like, serial killers, and I remember it was, like, John Wayne Gacy, and I was watching it with Ginger, and I got so scared because I was home alone by myself. Oh, I remember And I just sat out on the porch with Ginger for, like, hours, and this is before, like, cell phone. Like, I had Brick Breaker, but I didn't have, like, what cell phones are now, so I was just, like... I think I read a book or something. That's so funny. We've come I to was the, so scared. We've come to the point in the podcast where you've told the same story twice. I told that story again? Yeah, but I like it. Oh, no. I like it. I'm I think redundant. it's so cute because I, I love Ginger. I know. I miss Ginger. All right, but anyways, this is a story about a boy named Josh Phillips and the murder of Maddie Clifton. Ooh. So on November 3rd, 1998, in Jacksonville, Florida, around 5 p.m., Maddie Clifton, eight years old, was reported missing by her family. The first suspect in the case was the Clifton's neighbor, a man named Larry Grisham, who had priors, but they okay. were from, like, 20 years before this. Okay. Well, uh, but they were, like, they were, like, assault, like, sexual assault. Oh, that's not good. Right. And they, of course, because it's the 90s, made him take a lie detector test. Oh, and fuck. he failed it. But he had an alibi, so they were forced to kind of drop it. Okay. And so after, like, this happened, pretty much the cops stopped the search. They couldn't find the little girl. But a reward was offered, and it was initially 50000 but then it was doubled 
in efforts to try to find her. Holy cow. Good. And so the community, including like 400 volunteers, were searching for Maddie. But what they didn't know was that they would never find Maddie by searching anywhere outside. Oh, fuck. And what they also didn't know was that Maddie's murderer was helping in them in the searches. What the fuck? Dude. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's and, messed up. No, but like for real though, one of my people does that too. That yeah. is a com- that's like I mean it happens a lot. That's a ser- that's like a grown up serial killer trait. Yeah. Which is why these kids so like this episode is kind of like serial killers who like took the um they went the full sale route of becoming serial killers. They did it in two years opposed to four. <laughs> College is weird. Yeah, they went for their they went for their associates opposed to their doctorate. Right. But or like they skipped a grade. I don't know. They the, just went for it. They just fucking are going down. So continue, please. Alright, so exactly a week after Maddie went missing, so seven days later. Melissa Phillips went into her son's bedroom to clean it up a bit because he was, like, at school. She noticed there was a wet spot next to his bed, and she was like, oh, no, the water bed is leaking. Oh. And she's like, you know, I mean, it's the uh, 90s. Why did people have water? My, I remember. Why did kids have water beds? You're fucking your kids' backs up. My, I know. My friend had a water bed, and it fucked her back up. Water and I hated sitting on it. <laughs> my it... favorite thing about a waterbed is when there's no sheet on it and you slap it, it's like slapping somebody's ass. <laughs> You're weird. My friend's waterbed gave me, like, I I've got never seasick. actually slept on one. I've just, like, sat on them. I got seasick. I'm not a fan. I had to look at the horizon. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, if they did, like, because you know how now the whole, like, mattress thing is you get them in, like, a tiny box. So what if you got, oh like, a tiny God. waterbed in a box? <laughs> Oh my god. They're like, you use your own water, motherfucker. We don't you have that out here. This is from oh California. Fill your up waterbed delivery to your house. Oh my god, we should make that bottle, that model. No, no one should be sleeping model. on waterbeds. I know. Remember on Across the Universe when they're sleeping on like an aquarium? Yeah, but that's cool. No, that's like mean to fish. They're like seeing you have <laughs> fuck. So anyways... So back to waterbeds. That's water been beds. so. That's been an episode of waterbeds with Holly and Morgan. So, so she thought it. Josh's the waterbed mom, was leaking. Melissa, thought the waterbed was leaking. So she goes to check it, and she kind of manipulates the bed to like see if she can see like a tear or whatever. So she basically just like r- puts her hand on it and like r- like goes like up and <laughs> no, down she a looks little. From the bottom. Okay. And when she does this, all of a sudden a leg comes down and hits her in the arm. No fucking way. Yes. What? Maddie's half-dressed body had <gasps> been under Josh's bed for a week. No, what? Yeah. Oh my god. So she obviously calls the police and Josh is taken into custody like from school right away. Um, and he's what arrested. A good fucking hell yeah to that mom. Yeah. Well, she's she like, she didn't even look. She didn't like go in and look. She was just like, I know what this is. Wow. It's like, so fuck like, you, so Josh. Josh is 14 at the time. Bye, Josh. Um, he claims that Maddie came over and uh, asked if he wanted to play baseball. And so Josh wasn't allowed to have friends over before his parents came home. That was like a big rule. And Josh's father, Steve Phillips, was very strict. He was a really big guy. He was, like, 6'5", and, like, huge. They have, like, video of him. 
in this documentary I was talking about, which is, by the way, on YouTube in, like, little clips if you want to watch it. Do it. There's so and much so stuff on all of these. Josh claims that he was really scared of his father. He was he towered over him and his mother, mm-hmm. and he had a really bad temper. Apparently, while Josh and Maddie were playing, Josh accidentally hit the ball, and it hit Maddie in the head and her eye, and she was bleeding, and she started crying and screaming. And so Josh got really scared, he says, and he was worried that when his dad came home that he was going to get in so much trouble because he disobeyed him. And so oh, he was so afraid because that of his he dad. dragged Maggie into his room and he started strangling her with the telephone cord. Oh, my God. Also, very 90s. Very, yeah. People are like, what's 15 that? 15 minutes he strangled her. And then he also beat her with the baseball bat that they were playing with. How old was Maddie again? Eight. And he was? 14. Wow. Yeah, she's I mean, really cute. I'll I show you. I'll show you after we're done. That seems premeditated. 14 and 8-year-olds hanging out together, that's kind of... Tuesday just straight up mouth farted. Yeah. Uh, not a burp, but it was a mouth fart. So hang on, I'm not done. I'm and sorry. you're getting into a gross place, and this <laughs> well, is really fucked up This shit. is also gross. So anyways, he stuffed her in the bed after he hit her with a baseball bat, and then a little bit after that, his dad came home. And so he went out and he was, he just, he pretended like nothing happened at all. And then later he went back into his room and he could hear Maddie moaning under the <gasps> bed. And so he pulled her out and stabbed her. What? Until she was dead and then stuffed her back in the bed. Where'd he stab her? Like all over. Like all, all over? Yeah. Oh boy. You know yeah. there's only a couple places you need to stab. And there was also reports that after doing this, he started watching porn. Oh, no. So Maddie's body had no signs of sexual assault, but she was found nude from the waist down. Um. Also found with the body was the baseball bat that was used to beat her and the Leatherman knife that was used to stab her and also one of her missing persons flyers. Oh, fuck. Was under the bed. That's disgusting. Um, that's like, oh, that's gross. Josh continued to use his father's abusive and alcohol-fueled rage as his main motivation for this murder, that he was so afraid of his dad that he, like, had to do it and he didn't know what else to do. Um, he was charged with first-degree murder, and because Florida's laws at the time, and because he was under the age of 16, he was not eligible for the death penalty. Um, he was, tr- was he tried as an as adult? As an adult life. Adult, yeah. An adult first-degree murder. Yeah. Life. Okay. Wow. Um, and while incarcerated, he got a paralegal degree. Huh. And he now helps other inmates with their appeals. Oh. Um, he's had a lot of appeals over the last few years, and as of November of 2017, he was resentenced to life in prison. Oh, wow. They because apparently in him? Florida, the laws... Are whatever they fucking feel No, the like. laws at the time were, like, they were set so that it was really easy to heavily try younger children as, like, adults. Oh, I see And what so you they're mean. trying to, they were trying to, like, make a case for that, and he got resentenced again. Okay. That is... Because okay. of how, it was, like, he, because, the judge was like, you went back and you killed her again. Yeah. Like, you did it more than You, once. it was, from what I, from what I've heard, I, it was premeditated. Yeah. And he had uh, multiple opportunities to fucking save her. And I didn't. will say, he grew up really hot. I mean, fucking look at Ted Bundy. Yeah, real hot. Look at, yeah. I mean, sometimes people are hot, and yeah. sometimes those people have made the worst 
decision another human being can make. But Maddie was, like, a really cute little girl, and her sister, like, at his retrial, like, in 2017, her sister, who was only 13 when she was killed... Fuck. Um, I think her name was Jennifer did or she, Jessica. Did she take the stand? She... I don't think she did, but she said she was really happy Aww. about how she's, like, the legal system is actually working well. Like, he's not getting out. He shouldn't get out. That's super fucking good for her as yeah. a goddamn 13-year-old and being, well, like... she's not 13 now. Oh, she said this as an adult. Yeah, of, as of 2017. Oh, if she I, was 13 in 1998, she's, like, what, 30... Something I'm not good at. No, math. that's not even kind of close. But it, she's in her forties. But it's cool. Um, if it was 1978, she would literally be 40 years old. 1998. Oh, it was 98, and she was 13 then. Yeah. So she's 33. Yeah, so I was close. You were you closer. Bitch. I'm sorry. I'm stupid, and I thought you said a different year. <laughs> I'm. But yeah, so dumb. that's. Uh, that was the That's story, the story of, of Josh Phillips. Maddie Clifton and Josh Phillips. That's why you don't trust a man with two first names. You don't trust a man with a waterbed. Don't know. Do not trust. If you go on a Tinder date and you go back to his apartment <laughs> and he got a waterbed, he has bed, a waterbed. Run, yeah. girl, run. Go into his bathroom. Order yourself an Uber. Say <laughs> you have just had violent diarrhea. No, you know what? Just fucking force yourself. Have violent di- violent diarrhea. Yeah, seriously. Have violent diarrhea. Bounce. <laughs> Bounce. Steal. Bounce on out. Steal his toilet paper. It's your toilet paper now. Seriously. If he has to- to- uh, paper towel in there, if he has little travel bottles of uh, shampoo, conditioner, anything. Anything. Just get out of there. Just, Just get, get out. Bye. So now the time has come for my first killer, who is... A kid. Who is a kid. And I think probably one of... Most infamous. The true crime community that is the most infamous Correct. child killer. Her name is Mary Bell. I would uh, say that Mary Bell is definitely a case of uh, nature versus nurture situation regarding to her nurturing being shitty as fuck from literally the moment she was born. Yeah. Mary Flora Bell was born May 26th, 1957 in Newcastle in England. May 26th also being the day that Heaven's Gate committed mass suicide, mom's birthday, and the day you broke your arm in two places. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Also the day Mary Bell was born. She hmm. was born to 17-year-old Betty McCricket. Cool. <laughs> yep. And, um, McCricket. McCricket. She was a sex worker, an alcoholic, mentally unstable, and Munchausen, and had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Mm. Betty's father died when she was young, and it set into motion all of these mental afflictions. She had... Yeah. Um, family said Betty hated Mary so much that the first thing she said after Mary was born was, get that thing away from me. Wow. That thing being your newborn child. baby. That's a really bad first impression. Oh, no. It's really sad. Uh, we have no idea who Mary's father is, but eventually Betty married this guy, Billy Bell, and, which is, sounds really, Billy Bell. Billy Bell. Billy Bell. But he was also a piece of shit. He was a criminal, but he worked long hours and was really home, and he was eventually arrested for armed robbery. Uh, Betty would leave Mary with relatives for long periods of time and once went so far as to give Mary away to a random woman, but Mary's family uh, later retrieved her and brought her home. What? So she would go through this period of, like, leaving her kid with family members and then neglecting her and then family members being like, we will take Mary from you. Yeah. And then her being like, no, I can take care, like, 
be, like when she was being told she was being a bad mom, she's like, no, I can do this. But when she wanted to go out and do her own thing, yeah. she's like, this isn't my problem. Yeah. Betty would often sexually exploit Mary to mm. men that she met as a sex worker. Yuck. Um, yeah. And that's not a mother. No. And she would also have sex with her Johns in front of Mary, which I believe also happened to Henry Lee Lucas. Ugh. Yes. Uh, it's, it's not something a child needs to see. Uh, according to Mary's family, Betty would also often try to kill Mary and make it look like an accident. Oh One time gosh. Mary quote unquote fell out of a window and another time she, quote-unquote, accidentally took too many sleeping pills. Well, you said she had Munchausen's by proxy. Did she make her sick with anything? Or... Yeah. She would make her sick by taking these sleeping pills. Okay. And make it so seem... that's how she had it, was yeah. by the sleeping pills and yeah. pushing the window. It wasn't the, the same way, but... Yeah, I she mean, wasn't making her sick. She was just trying to kill her. She wasn't doing it for attention. I th- She was more kind of doing it to get incapacitate her. her, but... Or get rid of her, honestly. She wanted her to die. Ugh, um, all of this happened in, like, the very early formative years of Mary's life. So Mary is on a one-way road to serial killer town at yeah. this point. Also, when Mary was five, she witnessed her best friend get hit by a bus. Oh. It's very gnarly and not something a five-year-old needs to see. This was This would have been... Um, she was born in 57, so this would have been whatever... Uh, 1962? Mary grew up in Scottswood, England, and uh, it's kind of a derelict town. There are many abandoned houses because they were starting to bulldoze that part of Scottswood to build new places, and they were getting rid of some of the projects, and so there were just a bunch of these abandoned homes, and that's where these kids would play, and it's kind of fun as a kid. It's like very Goonies, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a good part of town, kind of think like Cabrini Green. Right. So Mary was a disruptive child, and she always talked about how she wanted to hurt people. Hmm. She also had a best friend, Norma Bell. But no relation. Hmm. Norma plays a very large Bell role. Belle was a very popular it was name. A, it was a really popular name back then. Norma was a little older than Mary, but Mary was still the leader of the two, and Norma would go along with anything Mary told her to do, and Mary was incredibly abusive towards Norma. Hmm. Norma did not have it good. One time, Mary and Norma were arrested for robbing a gas meter, and when the police started questioning Mary, she said, no comment, which really struck me to be very, a very weird thing for a child who's only eight or nine yeah to know to be familiar with the law to know that you would say no comment <laughs> yeah what? To not... in the 60s and in the 60s because you aren't like watching tv and... like figuring it out that yeah way. no it's not like she had been watching episodes of law and order svu right that started in the late that started in the late <laughs> 70s <laughs> yeah. That show's been okay. out for so She could have been long. watching TV. I forget no, that. No, but no. I think it's because she had so many criminals in her life. Her yeah. mother was probably constantly probably. saying it. Her stepdad was probably constantly saying it. Yeah. So, before their crimes escalated to murder, uh, Nor- Morma and Neri were considered <laughs> to be huge bullies at school. They would fight little kids, and once they attacked hmm. a little boy, when he was later found, he was bloody and in a daze, but could still identify his attackers, who were obviously Norma and Mary, mm-hmm. who had beat him, and then threw him off a roof. Oh, my God. The police were called, but because the girls were so young, there was no investigation. Yeah. 
After that, there was another attack on a girl closer to Mary's age. People said that Mary would become angry very quickly and she would get this look in her eye and she would lock eyes with you and you would just know something bad was going to happen. It's terrifying and I know girls that are like that. Yes. I know girls that are like... That look is terrifying. So Mary got upset with this little girl named Pauline. I mean, people in general. Yeah, for sure. I know what you mean. I'm thinking of someone in specific in my head. <laughs> Tell me on our next break. Sure. Um, so she, there's this little girl named Pauline, and Mary started to strangle her on the playground and only stopped because Norma intervened. Had Norma not intervened, Pauline would probably no longer yeah. have lived. Um, the police were called to the school, but again it was dismissed as a playground, like, rough housing situation. Mm-hmm. These cops are so fucking dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, These constables are so fucking dumb. On May 25th, 1968, literally the day before her 11th birthday, Mary convinced four-year-old Martin Brown to follow her into an abandoned house and strangled him to death. Martin was seen around 3 p.m. and his body was found at 3.30 p.m. by a group of boys who were looking for scrap wood. He was found lying on his back with blood and saliva trickling down his cheek. The boys were freaked out, and they called out to some local uh, construction workers who were nearby, and one of them had remembered seeing Martin, and he had given him, like, a biscuit, and he ran inside, and he tried to resuscitate Martin, but Martin was already dead. Meanwhile, Mary had gone to fetch her friend Norma Bell to show her Martin's body, but when they got back to the house, they were told to go away. Right. The police thought Martin died from either being frightened to death or he overdosed on sleeping pills. Hmm. So, the, I mean, again, these people are dumb, but to be fair, there were, uh, there was rather, I mean, an empty pill bottle found at the scene. And I think based on the fact that Martin seemed to be foaming kind yeah. of at the mouth, I think Mary drugged him and then strangled him. Yeah, probably. So also the place where they found Martin was murdered was affectionately known as Rat Alley. So when the news broke mm. about his case, the article was called Red Alley Boy Found Dead. So people are going to see that and be like, well, yeah. You know, like the stereotype, poor kid who cares, you know? That's fucked up. So the next day, Norma and Mary decided to break into a nursery school, like a grade school, Mm -hmm. and they left notes behind that said things like, I murder so that I can come back. We did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. So Norma was down with the murder. Dorma. 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 I was thinking, speaking of Dorma and Greg, Norma was not as smart as Mary Mary kind of, like, she was just, like, her stoolie. Like, she just went along with everything she did. Yeah. She would do anything Mary told her to do. She was her ride or die, and she wasn't as smart. Uh, And she was also super fucked up. Mm -hmm. But I think it was mostly Mary's fault. So they also wrote some really fucking, the, the notes they wrote are really gross. You can look it up, but I'm not... I don't want... Most of them don't even fucking make sense because they yeah. were written by dumbass fucking 11-year-olds. Yeah. It was said that while Mary and Norma were doing this, they were, like, giggling about how they had... How she Murder. had murdered Martin. And this wasn't the first time that Mary had broken into the school. And after this time, the school install, installed an alarm system, but the police didn't take the notes seriously and just filed them away as a prank. Hmm. Even though it literally said... Like, I killed Martin. Yeah. But they thought it was some kid pranking, saying, like, lying yeah. that they had. So, after the alarm system was put in, Mary and Norma broke into the school again, making it obvious that there was clearly not the first time that they had done this, and they were most likely responsible for the note situation. The police were called, but this time Mary was released to the custody of her parents and was set to have a juvenile court appearance. Okay. 
But after killing Martin, Mary and Norma went to Martin's aunt's house. And when uh, grinning, Mary asked if she missed Martin, if she was sad he was dead, and asked if his mom was sad. And she was so upset, she told them to leave and never come back. Ew. So they went to Martin's mom's house. June Brown opened the door to see a smiling Mary Bell standing on her doorstep and asked if she could see Martin. June told her, no pet, Martin is dead. And Mary was like, oh, I know he's dead. I wanted to see him in his coffin. What the fuck? Yeah. What a weirdo. Yeah. June was so upset from seeing such a young child behave this way that she slammed the door shut in Mary's face. Yeah, I probably would have too. Yeah. So there were rallies and marches, like, protesting um, that the abandoned homes be torn down to avoid, you know, children playing in them. Because at this point, they didn't think that Martin had been murdered because no one wants to think... Because Martin was four. Yeah. No one wants to think someone killed a four-year-old. Yeah. And so, she was how old? Um, she was uh, 11. She was... 11, you said. 11, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they thought that he had gone into the house and had somehow hurt himself, yeah. you know, for... Found he, pills and Exactly. Did something. No so reason, they're like, yeah. these houses need to get taken down. And Mary would always be in attendance. At the... At the rallies and the protests. Yeah. There would also be press conferences. You like to see your work. Exactly. Serial killers they like, like to see their work. Because they're like, this is all basically about me. Exactly. And I have to be here because it's about me and it's so grand and all these people care so Everybody much. fucking loves me. Yeah. I'm Zodiac. I'm BTK. I'm, I'm Michael Sam. Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Michael's not the like The one that. dude who doesn't talk and is not real. <laughs> I'm Michael Myers. I'm Michael Myers. What if he fucking took off his mask and that is how he talks. That is the equivalent. Hey. That's the equivalent of in Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader takes off his mask. Three movies, he's had the beautiful voice of James Earl Jones, mm-hmm. and he looks like fucking Curly from the Stooges. Yeah. It's Fuck weird that stuff. Fuck that shit. It's so, like the ultimate The Voice episode where they turn around and they hear what your voice is, but then they turn around and see your face. And they're, they're like, like what? what? Yeah. Uh, so one time. Well, on the playground, another student saw Mary scratching and kicking Norma while she screamed, I am a murderer! And she pointed towards the house where Martin had been killed. But the other student Wait, that Mary saw is this, screaming to get caught. <laughs> Mary doesn't give a shit. She's smart in the sense that she is a psychopath. Mm-hmm, but she, but they, But the fault, or the downfall, one of the several downfalls that is of a psychopath, is that... She's so arrogant, she doesn't think that she can get caught. Plus, there's the added factor of her being a child. Yeah. So she doesn't understand any of this. Plus, apparently, the kid who saw this didn't think anything of it, because Mary was known to be a pathological liar who often said outlandish things to get attention. Mm Mm-hmm. So about two months after killing Martin on the 31st of July, Mary and Norma lured three-year-old Brian Howe to a wasteland where they strangled him to death. Mary then... They like killing little boys. They like killing little... Yeah, it's fucked up. Mary then went back after killing Brian to carve an M into his stomach with a razor blade. Okay, Mary. She used a pair of scissors to scratch up Brian's legs, cut off some of his hair, and cut off his penis. Ugh. The police started questioning children in the area, and two children in particular were acting very odd. Oh, I wonder who. Hmm. Was it Mary screaming, I did it! It was, it was me! <laughs> me, Mary! No. I have his skin in my hand! This is his dick. 
I'm holding his dick. It was me. It was me, you guys. This is his dick. And, oh, that's so I sad. I know. I just, yeah. Why did we say that? So, no. Actually, Mary's a psychopath, obviously, so she denies everything. Right, of course. But anyway, so while uh, questioning Norma, she seemed excited about the murder, and the detective noted that throughout her questioning, she never stopped smiling. Norma? As though, Norma, yeah. Ugh. So Norma's not cool. No. Norma also suck. Norma, Norma suck. Um, when they interviewed Mary, she was incredibly evasive towards them, but eventually tells them that she had seen this other kid with Brian that day, and she claimed that the other boy hit Brian at one point and saw him playing with a pair of scissors. But the scissors found at the crime scene were confidential evidence that only the detectives knew about. So Mary gave herself away as at the very least knowing something about the murder. Also, the kid that she implicated for Brian's murder had an alibi because he had been at the airport at the time of Brian's death. Mm. Yeah. So it was becoming... I want to see pictures of Mary. Yeah, I'll show you. It, I'll show you something about Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I, knew that, I knew that joke was going to come up at fucking some point during this. So it's becoming blatantly clear to the police that both of these girls were involved with Brian's murder. And at one point, they had connected Martin's death to Brian's murder. Initially, they didn't, like I said, want to believe that someone had killed a little boy. But there were such huge similarities between the crime that they decided that they were connected. On the day of Brian's funeral, detectives noticed Mary standing outside the house house, watching as the coffin came out, and she was laughing. Oh my god. Yeah. He was so disturbed by what he had seen, he felt it was imperative to interview Norma Bell again to try to get a confession, because he saw that Mary clearly was not going to confess to shit. And he was in luck because Norma told him everything. Wow. They brought in Mary, who denied everything, like I said, at first, but then admitted she was at least there, but she said that Norma had committed the murders. Okay. Regardless, they were both arrested and charged with two counts of manslaughter. During the trial, both girls testified against one another, and in the end, Norma was acquitted of all charges. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would still say, I mean, I think Norma was just slow. Yeah. And it, and I think it was the times. Yeah. And it was an impoverished area, so their school, their education was probably shitty. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you saw the, these notes that they wrote... It was bad stuff. And they were... And Norma was 13 years old. It's... I mean, it's very sad. But whatever. Um, and Mary was convicted of manslaughter due to diminished responsibility and due to the psychological um, assessment presented at trial... She was to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure, Ooh. which is basically an indefinite sentence of imprisonment. Hell yeah. Indefinite doesn't always mean forever. Wow. After being in prison for nine years, Mary briefly escaped, was brought, but was brought back. And Whoa, even though she yes. clearly wasn't the coolest prisoner, she was released after being imprisoned after only being there for 12 years at 23 years old. No way. Yeah. And she was granted anonymity, meaning she could legally change her name so people wouldn't harass her. And she did? And she did. Do we know her name? Nope. Wow. Like, little bits and pieces come out, like, information about her come out every once in a while, but... Who knows? She's allowed to go wherever she wants. She can change her name. Wow. In 1984, she gave birth to a daughter, and she was also given anonymity. 
she yeah, would, the kids should always be a kid. But then in 2009, they petitioned for her to be able to just always, which I think is, I mean, cause it's not her fucking fault. Yeah. So she has like lifelong anonymity. Yeah. But she didn't find out about what Mary did until she was 14. Holy shit. But I mean, how do you explain that to a child? How'd she find out? Because I th- all these people were uh, harassing them. Harassing them. I think they found her. Wow. Um, in 2009, Mary became a grandmother, and one of the victims' mothers said that because she'll never get to meet the grandson her son could have given her, or granddaughter in this case, she hopes that whenever she looks at her granddaughter, she thinks of her son, who she killed. Yeah, she should. She should. And that's the story of Mary Bell. Of Mary Bell. Mary Bell, the seri- the killer from New from oh I'm sorry I forgot where she's from, <laughs> and this is probably not even kind of how they talk. Probably not. Probably not at all. All right, well let's take a little break then. Let's take a little break. Holly, do you know what one of my biggest pet peeves is? Is it when Tuesday starts eating her food loudly right as we're about to start recording the podcast every week? <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, like when your headphones or your earbuds or whatever get all tangled up and there's a million little knots and you can't get them out? I hate that too, which is why I've been loving our new Studio Bluetooth headphones. Even the cord they do provide if you don't feel like using Bluetooth isn't one of those skinny little cords that get tangled super duper easy. Everything about the Studio design is a sleek and unbelievably streamlined process. Studio was inspired by the beauty and vibrance of Stockholm, Sweden, and they believe remaining true to their Scandinavian roots is what has helped get them where they are today. Studio wants to revolutionize the way consumers see headphones and earbuds, not just as a tech device, but also as a gorgeous accessory that you'll be proud to wear out and about. I know I've already taken several cute photos with my headphones. <laughs> Holly and I both got the Regent on-ear model, and we also both got the really cute marble interchangeable caps that they provide. And people keep coming up to me asking me where I've got them because they don't look like any other headphone really out there, like on the market right now. No. Uh, same here. They're definitely a piece of art, and you can wear them around. And as an artist, I'm obsessed. Their minimalistic look is very cute. Um, Studio also has smaller earbuds like their tray design that are amazing for working out. They're sweat proof and they have custom wingtips so they fit very securely around your ear. What the frick are you waiting for? Go to their website, <laughs> studio.com, to get your first pair of headphones or earbuds. And if you use our promo code, the Sisters Grim, that's with two M's, you'll get 15% off. That's right, the Sisters Grimm, two M's for 15% off your entire order today. So my next child murderer's name is Eric Smith, and this is about the killing of little Derek Robbie. Little Derek Robbie. Um, Eric Smith grew up in upstate New York in like a really little small town. Like so small. Like, like teeny. It reminded me of Ottawa. Yeah, totally. He was 13 years old when all of this was happening, He was dealing with a lot of kids, like, really bullying him, like, pushing him around, fucking with his shit. He had bright red hair. Freckles. kind of misshapen ears. Yeah. I mean. like, he wore glasses, you know. He looked, I thought he was a really cute little kid, actually. I thought he was, too, actually. Actually, I thought he was cute. Like, it was, we can't blame him for being bullied. Yeah. No, of course not. And you can't blame someone for how they look. So I'm, I want to preface with this, even though this happened after he was arrested. 
Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler alert. I already called him the killer. Dun, dun. Um, but <clears throat> a defense psychiatrist actually diagnosed Eric with intermittent explosive disorder, which is a mental disorder that causes the individual to act out violently and unpredictably. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of which that. Which sounds pretty On the nose for yeah. what happened with Eric. But do you think, from what you know, that do you think this is premeditated or... I don't think it's an act of. <clears throat> I don't think it's premeditated in that he was purposefully seeking out Derek in particular, but I think he was just kind of from what I've seen, he was just looking for kind of any sort of outlet, and I think that Derek was just the first thing that he saw. Yeah, so because he didn't intend. Well, from what he says, at least he did not intend on, you know. It going as far as it did. Right. All right. So this was after like a long day of Eric obviously being like bullied and mistreated. And he went and he was talking to his dad and he was like, dad, I'm like really angry. Like I really want to like hurt someone. And he's like, well, just go like hit something. Yeah. And so he went and hit a tree. He punched a tree. And so he can't, or he had already punched a tree. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do I do now? And he showed him his knuckles and they were like, bleeding yeah i remember the thing i was watching the sister said it was the anything that she said it was really fucked up yeah she's like yeah i was was, like what the fuck she's like that whole thing was she was very much so the main character i like her a lot her name's holly oh my god was it i didn't notice that yeah because i was watching um a really cool documentary it's called kids who kill i think it was on netflix and it came out in 2015 no it's something different than that um, cause they also talk about Eric Harris and they also talk about, um, this other little boy, this other 13 year old named Nathaniel and this other kid whose sister also's name was Holly. Whoa, dude. I was like, it's almost like Holly was a really popular name in the eighties. Good thing I didn't kill anyone. I know. Right. I would just be another Holly. <laughs> Holly with a killer. Another Holly sibling. Just a, a Holly Tuesday, sibling Tuesday, please stop killer. crying. Tuesday's being so annoying this episode, you guys. You don't even know. <laughs> You've cut out things. Come on. Come on. Everyone in the world is good. Really? Everyone in the entire world, literally, Tuesday. I, we don't Jump have numbers up. from Antarctica. There you go. Should I take this bullshit girl. out? No, it's fine. Okay. We don't take bullshit out. We just take out. This is other real stuff. life, motherfuckers. All right. Our dog <clears throat> is weird. So, after his dad's advice, yeah, poor advice. he leaves his house on his bike to go to summer camp. And this would have had to have been really early in the morning when all of this happened. Just oh, I thought he was just out riding his bike. No, wait, you mean when Derek left for summer? I think it was... They um, both were leaving for summer camp. I think it was a recreate, like, Ottawa City rec. I think yeah. it was that situation. He was probably going to safety town at the park. Derek, because he was little. But it was like, um, I mean, there were like adults there. Was there sleep? Was it a sleepaway camp or was it just like a day camp? No, it was just a day camp. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a summer day camp. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, and so he sees four-year-old Derek, Robbie, Robbie, walking to day camp also and tells him, oh, I know a shortcut, like how to get there. Oh. And after that shortcut, Derek is never seen alive again. Mm. So they go out into kind of like a field. Yeah. Because like when I was remembering it, 
I thought it was the woods, but it was like an open field, and then they went to like a treed, like kind of like darker place. Okay, so they walked through an open area and they yeah. walked to. A so kind they could of... have been seen. It wasn't like they disappeared into the woods. They like were walking in a field, but um. Well, but I don't think anyone would think anything of like two kids. Well, yeah, that's true. No they one really would think wouldn't... anything of two kids walking no. together. But it would have just been two people see something. True, you it know? would have been something. Yes. And so around eleven a.m., that's why like it had to have been early that he was going because that's when his mom arrived to try to pick him up. His mother, Doreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, the people there say he never arrived. Mm-hmm. And so they started searching immediately. I mean, sort of the, some <clears throat> of that City Rock stuff started early. Like, mm-hmm. my tennis started early to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't want to go. Like, seven in the morning. Like, I don't. I'm not going to yeah. do well in tennis. Not this early. No. No, not with just I, a Pop-Tart and a glass of fucking No. Milk. I'm basically there for comedic relief. And doing John McEnroe impressions that no one understands, because only I am a thousand years old. Right. So, like I said, the police immediately started searching, and after four hours, the search was over, they found his body Mm -hmm. in that, like, treed area that I was talking about. Right. Eric said that he picked Eric because he was defenseless. Yeah. And he said once he got him alone, he started choking him. He wanted to make sure that he was dead, so he hit him with rocks a bunch, and uh-huh. he, like, threw rocks, like, on top of his body. Oh. And... He was so angry. Yeah. I read that he poured Kool-Aid. I don't know how he yeah. had Kool-Aid. Uh, well, well, he, he said in that camp. one thing that he poured Kool-Aid on it. Yeah, he poured Kool-Aid but it on it must him. have been in, like, a juice box situation. Maybe. Or, Who like, knows? something from camp, because he wanted to feel like the bully. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be the one being bullied. Yeah. But... He was like, I did it to this defenseless little kid. And this part's really, really, really gross. Eric claims that he wanted to make sure that he was dead, so he wanted to pierce through his heart. And so all he had was a stick, and so he couldn't pierce through his skin with the stick. So instead, he sodomized him with the stick. No. To pierce his heart. Yeah. But he claims that he got no sexual pleasure from it. I why would you? It was I just to like I stop his heart. Forgot that that happened. Yeah. I knew that there was a stick butt situation. Yeah. I didn't know that it was that. Wow, 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 wow. So initially, the police and the whole community feared that it was this like adult, like perverted child molester with arrests and so that's what they were looking for or a drifter. like a drifter yeah and it was such a small town like it was one of those towns where people don't lock their doors yeah so they were all like oh my gosh it has to be an outsider it can't be someone from here and they never thought it was going to be a little 13 year old boy oh no the sister talks about how like everyone was running around and she wanted to go look for him cuz she knew him cuz yeah i mean it was a small town everybody yeah. knew each other yeah and she just remembered that Eric was just chilling on the couch, yeah. watching TV, acting like nothing had even happened. But obviously he was feeling things because the police literally said that if Eric had, what he does, turned himself in, they think they would still be like, it would be like an unsolved case. Yeah, I mean, he clearly felt remorse. Yeah. He definitely felt remorse, yeah. but yeah, it would still, they're like, we would have never, yeah. ever thought that it was a 13-year-old boy. No, especially, like, just how he looks. And like, just how... you would never picture that no. kid being a killer. No. People go Google this, like, case, like, Eric Smith and Derek Roby. And Derek Roby, yeah. 
So Eric confesses he couldn't keep it in his, he confessed to his mom. And so then his mom turned and dad go and they turn him in Mm -hmm. and he was arrested and he was charged with second degree murder. Yes. Cause it, he, it wasn't, prim- it, um, I don't know if they were able to prove the premeditation. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I could say definitively that I knew the difference between first degree and second degree, but I really don't. But he got the maximum term available for juvenile at that time, which is... But he was tried as an adult. Was he? Yeah. As as a 13-year-old, he was tried yeah. as an adult. He got nine years to life in prison. Okay. But he has been denied all parole hearings, and his next parole hearing will be this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. The last one, I believe, was... 2016, I think. Yeah. So it's every two years, and his fam... Or, um... Derek's family is trying to fight to make it five years parole hearing, not every two years that they have to go back and do this. I mean, that is sort that is annoying. Yeah. That's arduous. So they're trying to push for it to be longer. A little longer. Yeah. But obviously And it's more Eric t- is trying to fight for it being shorter. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He I wants mean, to be he says that like he would never go back to the town where it happened and he says that he would go to like a halfway house. Oh, really? Yeah. He would go to a halfway house mm-hmm. just in case? Yeah. That's clearly taking... That's taking responsibility for your actions. I mean, yeah. It's really, really fucked up. With how violent that both act of is. the stories that I have, and of course yours, yeah. like, I think they should stay in jail for their lives. I mean, that's my... Plus... That's my opinion on all three so far. I haven't it? heard your fourth, or the fourth, but... Oh, no, my fourth... I my think f- all are deserving to stay. I think that you could definitely make that case that they should be. I think that, um, I mean, I think in Eric Smith's case, I think that it is a good idea that he thought to be in a halfway house. Yeah. I think that's smart. Um, like, but you can check yourself out of the halfway house. True, but it's still partial recognition for, uh, you know. Yeah. So... I am going to and uh, round out the episode with a story of Beth Thomas. It has a happy ending. Okay, it is good because a, we're ending. It's a little diff. It's the last story. It's fucked up. Don't worry. Good, but it's kind of you know a precursor to a way, as a way to show you what these kids, with some of these kids' childhoods really were rounding like things out. From the mouth of a six-year-old child. Because it's... Beth is six? Beth is six years old. Wow. So, um, I'm gonna play... Let's see. I'm gonna play this little clip here. That was fucked up. Yeah, it's the starter to this documentary. Um, it's from HBO. Okay. Um, it's from 1992 called Child of Rage. It's about the horrific childhood of Beth Thomas. And I started listening to the song Beth by Kiss um, at first while I was writing these notes. And I kind of think that song is about her somehow retroactively. Kind of think the song is about her, about yeah. her. You're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you probably think this song's about, about you, you bad. You're, You're so bad. So bad. 
<laughs> you probably think this Beth is about you. <laughs> See, it's fun to keep going. Um, you can find this documentary. It's on YouTube. It's heartbreaking and bone chilling and disturbing oh. and weird and 27 minutes long. Okay. Um, it's oh. mostly a tape therapy session between Beth and her psychologist who specializes in treatment of severely abused children that were traumatized so bad in their first years of life that they don't bond properly with other people. Mm -hmm. To get an idea of what it sounds like when a six-year-old little girl with psychopathy sounds like... Just listen to Tuesday right now, because she's being super annoying. Yeah, no, but uh, I have this clip from the old Ducky Walkie. Are people afraid of you, Beth? Uh Who's afraid of you, Beth? John. Your brother. And what is your brother, why is your brother afraid of you? Because I hurt him so much. At nighttime, what do your parents do to your door? Lock it shut. Mm, why do they lock it shut? Because they don't want me to hurt John. Are they afraid that you might hurt them? Yep. Would you, Beth? Mm-hmm. When would you do it? Nighttime. Okay. Why would you do nighttime? Because I don't like them seeing me do it. But they can tell me do it. Mm-hmm. And what would you do to him, Beth? Stab him. What would you stab him with? A knife. Wow. Yeah, right? Like, this kid she is just emotionless. That's crazy. She's emotionless just being like, yep, yep, I'd kill my mom. I'd, That's I mean, so terrifying thinking of having to lock up your kid at night. Yeah. And just hoping they don't somehow break through. And, and just, uh and, okay, so, him... The mommy and daddy she's referring to in mm-hmm. the clip, uh, Tim, was a Southern Methodist pastor, and his wife, Julie, were unable to have any kids, but they had all this love in their heart, and they mm-hmm. wanted to be able to give it to children who had been neglected, or, mm. you know, so they adopted Beth, who oh was 19 gosh. months old at the time. They're amazing. Yeah. These, uh, Julie and Beth. sound like it. Julie and Tim, fucking rock stars. I don't know if I should say fuck when he's a pastor, but, like, Tim, Rock on. you are the fucking coolest. <laughs> so, when they were adopted, Beth was 19 months, and John, her younger brother, was only 7 months. So, they were... They're not actual brother and sister, or are they? They're brother and sister, but... Biological? They're, okay. They're, like, a year apart. Okay. And they were... Uh, Tim and Julie were told that the children were perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. But their dream of having a family soon turned into a nightmare when they realized that the children suffered from severe emotional damage. Oh, poor baby. F- yeah. A few months after the couple adopted Beth and John, they found out more about the children's earlier background. They went long days where they did not so have Beth any... So Beth was how long? Or how old? I'm sorry. She was 19 months. Oh. How... Beth was like how long? She was how many? 18? She was 19 months. So the only the other one was only like... He was only seven months. Oh. So think of like a little teeny baby yeah. and then like uh, kind of a toddler. Not even a toddler. Not like though. barely a toddler. Yeah. Barely a toddler. Plus they were probably both... I mean, they were both so horribly neglected. Yeah. I mean, they're um, they're probably developmentally delayed yeah. really badly. Like, um, and food was so bad that some days all Beth would have to eat was like a little, like one of those little teeny boxes of cereal. Mm. When John was found, he was laying in a bassinet that was soaked in urine. He had a dirty diaper and there were bottles of curdled milk down by his feet. Oh my God. The back of his head was completely flat as a result of never being picked up. Oh no. And at seven months, he couldn't even hold his own head up because it was so misshapen. Because... 
That's why babies do that tummy time. That was the younger one? That was, that's John. That's the littler one. Poor baby. I know. It's really, it, it made me, it, I'm getting kind of choked up thinking about it. But yeah, that's why you have your baby do tummy time. Yeah. And then their little head is okay. Well, and, and just, you you're that constantly baby, holding your you, baby because yeah, you, you want to hug it all the time. And you need to bond with your baby. Yeah, like, of you course. Can't, uh, and so Beth did not have it any better. As Beth explains it in the documentary, and you can watch her do it, mm-hmm. and you just heard her voice. I mean, she's not scary, but she is terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's like you feel so fucking bad for her, but then at the same time, you would not want to... This Beth, you would not want to be in a, a house alone with, no. probably. I don't want to be anywhere with Beth to be This Beth, No. So it was Beth... None of the Beths that I've heard so far do I want to hang out with. No. But little baby Beth, you could have helped. Well, right, right, right. You would have been a good mama to a good baby Beth. But Beth's mother died when she was a year. Mm. So she literally died maybe months after John was born. Because they're literally a year apart. Yeah. So her birth father used to rub her vagina until it bled. What? These are her words. She said he, he didn't feed her and beat on her. Um, after living with Tim and Julie for a while, she began having nightmares of her birth father abusing her. Um, we don't know a lot about Beth's birth mother, like I said, other than that she died when uh, Beth was only one. Um, because of her early uh, abuse, she never developed a sense of conscience or love or trust for anyone. The early sexual abuse from her birth father made her exhibit inappropriate sexual behavior, Mostly toward her brother John, like squeezing, pinching, and kicking him in the penis. How old? This, like, probably, I mean, like, two. Like, mm. they were little. Yeah. They were little. It was very, it wasn't very long after that they, they were adopted that they realized that she started yeah. um, developing these you know, traits and, like, inappropriate sexual behavior. Um, the psychologist asked her if she wanted to do this stuff. Um, to other kids, yeah. like what she would do to John, and she said yes. Yeah, of course. Another time her mom found her sodomizing John with her <gasps> finger. Oh, my God. Um, she would also stick him with pins. Oh. Yeah. Fuck, uh, dude. And she would you talk- sucked, but you weren't that gross and weird. Yeah, no, I didn't want to stick you with pins. You would just lock me in closets. I know. I told my friends at work that the other day, and they were like, you were savage. I'm like, <laughs> dude. I'm like, but our moms made us dress the same. <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. I know. I'm being... I was a monster. I know. I know I was bad. You were... You could have been one of these kids. I could have been. Shut the fuck up. I'm kidding. No. So, um, anyway, back to the really sad shit. So, Beth was also touching herself daily. Really? She was masturbating every day until her vagina got so infected because... Imagine how dirty little children hands and that are touching their vaginas. Yeah. She probably... She was getting infections, you said? Yes. And this is her telling the psychologist this. Um, mm. I mean, her hands might as well have been doctors in the 1800s. Yeah, like, they were just unusable. Yeah. Uh, and she would also masturbate in public, and her mom would be like, Hey, Beth, maybe the parking lot isn't the best place to rub one out. Like, she explained it to her, like, this is a thing you do in private. She was never like, this is evil, don't do this. She was like, you know, which is cool, because yeah. you Methodists are like, chill. Um, and then there were the animals. 
Mm. In the interview, she explains that they have four pets. She gives all of their names. She describes them, and she tells her psychologist um, that they had just recently found a stray cat, and her daddy was going to take it to the vet to get it checked out so that they could bring it home. But then she starts to talk about how she likes to stick pins in them, too. And I was Uh. like, maybe let's not create another life of misery for this cat. Yeah. Like maybe Beth isn't the best person yeah, to give a cat to. How about you stop getting pets? <laughs> maybe after pet one, I say you get rid of your, let your pets go to other families. Yeah, I, that sucks. Like, uh, it's just it's really sad. So Morgan, remember last week when you said you liked looking for little birds' nests? Sure. Well, so did Beth. No. But when she was a little girl and found a bird's nest, she, she took all of them. Out, she took them out and squeezed them to death. The eggs or the baby birds? Oh, I've never seen one with baby birds in it. Oh, you just saw the eggs? Yeah. No, she found one with baby birds. Oh, that's so. Her gross. parents saw her with it and were like, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, that's not a good sign. And then they explained to her like, "You can't." touch the baby birds like even though i think this has been disproven the mom she didn't know any better it was ne- like 1980 a fucking who knows and the mom's like the, if, the, ba- the mom will yeah come the back. mom will come back to them like they're very delicate so yeah. go put them back but then later beth went back. that's just a good lesson to teach your kids so they don't touch animals exactly uh because especially because they're dirty as fuck yeah and then she went off as, was rubbing her vagina she probably oh! she gave her vagina avian oh. she gave her vagina avian flu she gave her vagina bird flu. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. So sometimes John would wake up in the morning crying and saying that his stomach hurt and his parents thought that maybe he had an intestinal problem or possibly an allergy, but it was actually Beth sneaking out of her room at night and would hit John in the stomach. And so to protect him, they had to put a lock on her door to make sure that she wouldn't sneak out at night to hurt anybody. Oh my god. Yeah, because they were afraid they were going to hurt them, too. Because at one point, Julie noticed that several paring knives were missing from the kitchen. And Julie said that she immediately thought that Beth had taken them, and then immediately afterwards felt very guilty about thinking that. But then but found them. He, yeah, Julie was fucking right, because they ended up being in Beth's room. And Beth, she was like, Ma, she was like, Mommy, she's like, what do those knives that you're missing look like? And she's like, and I hadn't told her that that there were missing knives. And she's like, are the knives, they're like, they're like this long, right? And she said that she had this like little mischievous smile, this smile, but like it was not a sweet smile. You saw it? No. Well, no. But I mean, like... You I, don't really see her in the documentary? No, you see her a lot, but at this point, she is, like, going is she treatment. Cute at all? She's very, very cute. Yeah. She's adorable. Monsters who can do things... I mean, even if it's not a cute baby, like, you don't fuck with a baby. Never. It's disgusting. And you give that baby love and attention, and you bond with it. Mm-hmm. Like, the way you don't make a serial killer in this regard is just fucking don't be a piece of shit yeah, to your baby. Just... just just don't so yeah and beth said that she had intended or she wanted rather to use them to kill anything pretty much her brother a pet her parents anybody she was just so angry from this repressed abuse she experienced as a baby but by this point beth had already tried killing her brother john once their mother found them downstairs in the basement and Beth was smashing John's head on the cement floor. Oh, my God. And he ended up needing several stitches. Yeah. And it's 
He's got to have some fucked up shit going on too. I, I yeah, that's what I they was thinking. Think this whole they don't time. talk about that at all. They don't talk about that. They're. I'm sure you could probably look up stuff about him, but I didn't. <laughs> I should have probably in retrospect, but I don't know. He may want to keep his anonymity. Yeah. Um, but uh, he definitely went through some shit. But he may just he just possibly didn't have what Beth had. Yeah. So I mean, you sometimes you don't, and I, I, and he didn't experience the sexual abuse. Yeah, that aspect we know of. of it that we know of exactly. So after the psychologist had fully evaluated Beth, he believed that it was necessary to remove her from the family home to avoid future danger to herself or her family, which I agree with. If you have to lock your kid thank God into for a room, Jonathan. John, the little brother's name? The brother's John. No, thank God for Tim and Julie. Well, no, I'm just like, thank God that the kid gets oh, to sleep in peace now. Exactly. That's so fucked up. Imagine being, because imagine having to be, because they were pretty close in age. You and hit so me in she's my sleep once. Six. I didn't pound on your stomach every single night, <laughs> no, Morgan. <I> <laughs> Making you wake up thinking, making mom and dad think that you had, like, intestinal yeah, problems. Yeah, no, I know, I'm kidding. I was a shitty sister, but I wasn't bad. No, sometimes you were funny. Sometimes I was really funny. You made me food. I made you food. I let you sleep at the end of my bed in a really small child's bed. Yeah, no, we had I didn't, fun. I didn't let you. I we wanted, had a good time. I wanted you to. We had very good times. You would get mad at me when I wanted to leave and would force me to stay. I would, because <laughs> it, it was funny, and now that happens now is we're adults doing the podcast and i'm like morgan i know you're really mad but please stay so we can finish this fucking podcast and i'm like go fuck yourself and you're like fuck morgan just like gives me the finger as she backs out of my apartment homer so, simpson style into the bush exact i was thinking that always so in 1989 best parents brought her to the home of connell watkins and this was a uh, group home kind of for other children mm-hmm. and i am going to play a clip from this documentary of connell watkins right now just to let you know what kind of person she is i have children that have killed numerous times cold-blooded family members neighbor children killed them and they can do it makes my blood run cold just think about nine years old people don't think a nine-year-old is capable of cold-blooded murder but they are that attachment break does severe damage to the heart the ability to care and the ability to love they don't care and they don't love they're capable of anything so that's good old connell who beth went to stayed with she lived there with other children. They have re what's called reactive, reactive rather detachment disorder. Since these children are unable to trust anyone, they don't think that anyone can tell them what to do. So when they first get to the house, they have to per- ask for permission to do everything. It's kind of a controversial yeah. regimen, but for Beth, I think it works because she needs that kind of structure, and I think her mind kind or she just sort of needed that structure in her life because she was never given it as a little kid. She Mm -hmm. never had a schedule that she lived by. Like, having a schedule for your child, like, when you wake up, when you feed them, when you take their nap, when, you know, blah, 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 blah. That all helps shape them into a person. And Beth took, uh, responded amazingly to this treatment. She became more outgoing. She started singing in the church choir. She was allowed to have pets. And she was given special permission to do certain things. Uh, while she was there and had all alarm, uh, and when she had gotten there, she had locks and alarms on her door because mm-hmm. that's how high risk she was. Yeah. At the end of the documentary, they ask her about how her behavior used to be, like how they did at the beginning of the documentary when she, before, you know, she had started the treatment and she starts crying because she feels so bad 
for what she'd done and for what she'd said. And in, in, in the interviews with the psychologist, she just talks about it like it's everyday life and doesn't mean anything. And, like, you can see all of this. And yeah. I'm giving a short synopsis of it. The documentary shows that the treatment worked for Beth, but, sadly... In 2001, it came to light that Connell Watkins was using the illegal therapy treatment known as rebirthing. Have you heard about this? No. It's when you wrap um, a child up who has RAD. You wrap them up in a blanket, and then you push them, like, really hard on them with pillows. So, basically, they have to wiggle their way out of the blanket as a way to re-experience being born. What? With the idea that once they merge, they will be able to make bonds with people that they weren't able to establish when they were babies. Okay. But like I said, it's fucking illegal because grown adults shouldn't be putting pressure on a small child. It's a really weird thing and also doesn't make any fucking sense. No. And so during one of these rebirthing sessions, 10-year-old Candace Newcastle was killed by being smothered to death by four adults, including Connell Watkins. What the fuck? She was wrapped in a flannel blanket while Watkins and three other adults... Where is the happy ending in this one, Holly? It's coming, I promise. I forgot that I had this part. (laughs) And I moved things around so that the happy part is the end. So they smothered Candace to the point that she started screaming out that she couldn't breathe and was going to die. She vomited and was ultimately found brain dead because she had stopped breathing. Holy shit. It's really fucking sad. Yeah. You They videotaped the whole thing for 40 minutes. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's this fucking 10-year-old little girl who was already abused when she was a little tiny girl. And yeah. these adults that she's now supposed to trust... That she doesn't, because she, she can't, can't trust. And they, they assen- kill her. They essentially tortured her to death. That's um, not a fun way to die. No. Like, the jury, they had to watch the tape. And having... Because and, in the end, it's just her screaming, like, I'm going to die. You guys, I'm you are killing me. Yeah. That's... Oh, it, gives chill, it's, it is bone chilling. Like, what you she... You watched it? No, you... Oh, no, 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 no. You can't... I don't want to watch that. No. And you can't... I Googled it, but you can't... I mean, like, when you Google it, you can't, like, find, find the it. video of it. Thank God. Like, people, The internet is getting... I'm sure you can find it harder somewhere, Harder to find but things. Think, but that is... Noticed? That's... It is something, yes. Maybe... Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's for a different episode. So, Watkins was sentenced to 16 years in prison, but was let out after six for good behavior with the stipulation that she couldn't practice child therapy anymore because who's going to send their kid to a fuckface who killed a kid? Yeah, not me. Bye. Bye, Connell. What the fuck is your name? So, I promised you that this episode would have a positive ending, and I am happy to say that Beth has grown into an amazing young woman. Really? She got her nursing degree. Wow. She's written a book about her abuse. And now she's currently running an organization with her second adoptive mother, Nancy, that helps other children who went through similar situations. So, so wait, she got adopted yeah, again? Yes. I think she did not go back to the first family. I and think, so Johnny stayed with the first I family? I think John stayed with the first family. And I think that... I think that too much damage had been done. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think that, um, and this is just conjecture, this is just what I'm saying, I I would imagine that it could trigger 
old yeah. habits. Yeah, for sure. So putting her in a new family, new yeah, well, or a new environment would probably be best with her treatment. Kind of, I mean, it sucks because they all loved her very much. Yeah. But it's kind of like when um, you go to rehab and you're not allowed to hang out with old friends. With old friends, yeah. But I mean, obviously, her old old friends are two incredibly loving parents. Yeah. And this, I think, which is what triggers you. Yeah. And so I think exactly. And so I think that even though Beth isn't a child killer mm-hmm. and that's what this episode is about i think that she 100 percent was a really good positive it's a good way to end a yeah. very 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 that's fucked great up that episode. She, especially just because like how much information we have about her and from her herself yeah. too and it it really it makes you think about psychopathy and sociopathy i think mm-hmm. because they say that they can't be cured and um, some I re- was reading some things because, I mean, obviously now everyone knows about all this awesome shit that she's doing because she's a fucking badass bitch doing it for herself. Also, Tim and Julie, badass moms and da- mom and dad. Mom also, and dads. Mom and dads doing it for themselves. But some articles are like, has she been rehabilitated or is she just wearing the mask of every other sociopath? And yeah. it's like... She has dedicated her life to other children who have gone through the atrocities that she has gone through. Right. That's fucking empathy. Yeah. Sociopaths and psychopaths, regard. I, I mean, they're interchangeable. I read something, I was listening to something the other day that they're basically the same. Ex- I would like, say they are. There's no... It's... it's uh, They both fall under... They're like... They're archaic at this point. Yeah. Now. But... People just attribute the word psycho with like... Someone being crazy. Someone, someone not acting. Yeah, and a sociopath is more like someone who's cunning. Yes. But really, so, it's all the same. It's all the same. But it, it's just, bu- they're just buzzwords. Yeah. They're buzzwords. But they're, pow- it, it is very, pow- it's very nice to say in like an argument with like, um. An ex. An ex or something calling them a sociopath You're makes a you feel sociopath. really good. You're a fucking sociopath. Or just like finding out that your ex is a sociopath. Or just like, you know, your ex actually is a sociopath. <laughs> Which has happened for some of us, unfortunately. So yeah, the story ends well. And like I said, Beth, dope as fuck. Obviously she was rehabilitated because she has fucking empathy. Serial killers and yeah. they don't have I empathy. mean the the argument too with like the two boys in my story who are still in jail is have they been ha- have they been rehabilitated or are they the same? Yeah. And it's like our prison Especially because Eric if he stays in prison his whole life, he will live one of the longest life sentences anyone's ever had lived. Yeah, I was something I was watching the some guy something yeah like some talking head. The guy was like, he will be the person yeah. who's been in jail the longest in like the entire world something or like something that. like that. Well, depending on how like long he lives, yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of just like our prisons warehouses where we store people. Yeah. Or are they places of rehabilitation? I think. In, I mean, I think, they definitely should. Even if you do have to be somewhere forever, you should still aim to have, like, a higher purpose in yourself. Exactly. By the time that you die. Probably, which is probably why so many of them find religion. Yeah. But if, you know, if you find something that works for you, who fucking cares what it is? If it's fucking Nancy Drew But I do totally stand by the fact that the family of the victim should have the ultimate say on whether or not someone stays in or not. Exactly. Because there are times when families are like, we forgive you. Exactly. And, and they, that's their decision. Yeah, And exactly. then there are families who 
are fucking pissed as fuck, and that is okay, too. Yeah. Because you are allowed to feel however you want to feel. Yeah. Um, one of... What was my first murder? Or no, 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 no. Oh, no. It was the thing I was watching about um, your kid, Eric. Mm-hmm. Like, how one of the mom... Or Derek's mom was talking about how... Um, Eric's mom talks. It's weird. Derek and Eric. That's very I know, confusing. It gets kind of confusing. But... She talk. Uh, Derek Rather's mom talks about how she thinks it's bullshit. She, not her words, not mine. That Eric's mom says that she also lost a son because yeah. she's like, you can go and touch him. You can talk to him. Mm-hmm. I can never talk to my son again. Yeah. It's so fucking sad. It is. It's very. Sad. God damn it! We tried to make it so Beth. Beth is doing well. Beth, Beth is doing well, and Beth honestly, nurse. nursing is. Speaking of nurses, our love mother, nurses. our mother is staying at the coolest hotel is, right now. She works. Is she's a nursing prick? I don't. We don't know what our mom does, but it has, it has to, to do, do with, with nursing. nursing. She was a nurse at Rush Hospital in Chicago for like years, but now she does like more. She was a nurse, stuff. or she was a nurse at oh, what was that old hospital? She was a nurse at on. The South Side. Oh crap! I don't know. I don't remember, but it was a it was it was a hospital. Anyways, anyway, she <laughs> is currently staying at this hotel, and they gave her the presidential suite, and it has its own boardroom in it. It does. It has two bathrooms. It has this like incredible bathtub, and has, she's th- sending us pictures of her like drinking champagne in it. But first, goals. You Robin forgot- Freeberg is goals. You forgot to mention. That before that, she was sending us MTV crib-style, like, videos yeah. of her walking through the presidential She's like, welcome suite. to my suite. Here are my double doors. Yeah, she She's was... extra. She, it was our groupie, our group text that our family does. And she was like, holy fucking shit. And I... My mind immediately goes to Home Alone 2 when Kevin stays her, in that She huge, said that. Did she say she said I feel like Kevin and Home Alone? She's like I feel like Kevin and Home Alone too. And then Morgan told her to order room service, and I was like, "You better go work on your Cannonball, Mom." And um, and I was like, "Order an extra pizza, cheese pizza, just for you. Order a limo in the morning. Drink a diet coke out of a shot glass." And then what does she do? Send us a picture of her drinking champagne. Not her drinking it, but she sends a picture of. A glass of champagne next to the most beautiful bathtub I've ever seen. There are stairs leading up to this bathtub. It's like beautiful. what the hell? There's a present. This bath. This has- bathtub is goals, everyone. This bathtub is what the we've king learned of on bathtubs. tonight's episode is if you don't kill a kid, you can grow up to be Robin Freeberg. Yeah, if you, you well, there was a moment in our childhood, my childhood, that is rather where mom briefly thought I might grow up to be a serial killer and was like, "What did I? What have I done?" But, yeah, well, I'm sure she felt that way with me a couple times, too. Uh, <laughs> I killed two hamsters on accident. It was accidents. Fuck off. It was accidents. Were but I could they? see why... Yeah, I gave him a bath and he drowned. Uh, you straight up dropped Walter. Okay, that was a complete accident, too. And Mom and Dad kept that from me. Um, but it's like, whatever, I forgave you for killing Walter. I didn't mean to. I know, I know. I know Don't you get your kid to. hamsters. They're weird pets. I, I'm never gonna let my kids have. It's like, a weird rodents. pet to have. Not because I think they're gross animals, just because I. What do you do? They're hard to. They're you get okay. So this is what they're somewhere between a fish and a dog. It's it's a little better than a fish and a, worse than a dog. 
It's like you get really excited to get a hamster, and then you get it, and then you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? I'm sick of this. I can't, like, take it out for a walk. I can't just let it hang out, because... It doesn't our... have a personality. They have, sometimes they have personalities. Sometimes. Walter had a personality. None of mine did. You didn't give them a chance. <laughs> We're taking this to a dark place again. I'm just kidding. Okay, we need to just end the episode. So, end it. This is the episode. Check us out on Facebook. You know where the fuck we're at. You know where we're at, motherfuckers, and we're going to put it in the description of this episode so we don't need to say it anyways. Bye! And keep the change, you filthy animal. Woof.